I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. I am Dr. Aaron Eugene McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Hi, this is Kimberly Ann Johnson. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du Gynécologue Holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OPGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Matt Boudreau, am I saying your last name right? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. I always the, the, tell people, yeah, if it sounds anywhere close, then yes, that's it. The, you know, the always, French was beat out in, of you. <laughs> we grew up in, uh, you know, I grew up in California, so we california it up, you know, so we always said Boudreau or Boudreau, we kind of oscillated back and forth. We got all kinds of versions of it. Anytime I've gotten to speak in a French-speaking nation, they say it way cooler. So yeah. they're probably right, but I don't care. Any Anything close, I just nod my head and go, yeah, that's it. I'm imagining like my former like surfer boy self, Baudrall. Yeah, like. but yeah, for sure. <laughs> and everybody called, growing up, I was Bo. All my friends called me Bo or Bobo or Bo, you know, whatever. So it was, yeah, yeah. you know, so I have no idea. I'm 43. I still don't know how to say it. <laughs> Someday you're going to reach out and you're going to say, I finally Someday figured I'll out figure how out. to say yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Matt, for people who don't know you, uh, tell people what you do for a living. <laughs> what, 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 Gosh, did you, what are you man. doing yeah, as a grown-up? <laughs> yeah, how do I even describe that as a grown-up, man? So, you know, the 30,000-foot the view of it is uh, I'm, an, I'm an educator. Um, I'm not a teacher. I'm an educator. Uh, and I always differentiate between the two. But I came out of the school game and was at Stanford for a while and was a public school teacher, public school admin, private school teacher, private school admin. So I left all of that to launch Done it all. Uh, schools that I really believed in, you know, and schools that I wanted my my kids to go to and what I thought uh, was really a better experience for young heroes. And so partnered up with the Acton Academy Network, launched a number of Actons, simultaneously uh, developed this speaking career where I've now gotten to speak to close to half a million people on stage. Uh, and these are Fortune 500s that were, you know, bringing me in to talk about what they weren't seeing from young people, what they wish they saw from young people and, and the culture of hiring good young people. So simultaneously built those things out. Um, that spun itself into a global mentorship program with a gentleman named Tim Kennedy, who a lot of the listeners may or may not know. Uh, Tim and I started the mentorship program for young men specifically. We've since uh, moved into dads. We got a home education crew, we got families that we're leading, you know, through home education. Yeah, it's amazing. And we're partnering up with some great women too to launch the female version of it. So oh you know, my. all of it is awesome. All of it's education, man. <laughs> it's all education, right? Yeah. It's all unlocking uh what what people are meant to be, man. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, you've been on you know on stage. You've spoken to a number of people, and who knows? Yeah. It's innumerable ears have listened to you on podcasts because I did a binge, as I do with all of my guests. I want to get to know you uh, as you express yourself, and I don't want to ask you any repeat questions. But but the work you're doing, I think, is as my wife put it last night. She said it's just so great to know that there's other quote private options, whether you you know want to use that term or not. Sure. that are not the rigmarole of the public education system of which I am a product. And I can't say I'm proud or not proud. I didn't know any better. I don't think my parents sure. knew any better, but now we as a collective are starting to realize, Hmm, there are limitations to public education. And there was a little story you told, I think it was on Mark Bell's uh, podcast 
the Power Hour, I think. Is that the name? Yeah, of the that's Marks. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's Marks. I've done his show a couple times. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, you told me you told a story there, and it was very, very simply. It was a young man, maybe in his thirties. His mom was calling on behalf of him in order to uh, see if he wanted to have a job, and you were like, "Probably not a good fit," because we are dedicated to taking personal responsibility in your life in all aspects. And I think that many of us young men, and I, I have to tell you, I'm becoming now 50% of my time is spent counseling young men as they approach this new role as a parent, because they've probably been outsourcing their power and responsibility to other people for their entire lives. And now the buck right. stops with you. You're the dad and you've got, you know, maybe you've got a partner in your life and you're trying to team up to care for this kiddo. So, you know, you've got a couple kids, you have a two girls and one boy. Is that right? Or one, yes, sir. Okay. That's correct. I remember yep, correctly. You got it. Awesome. Yeah. And yep, the uh, sure. you've got two older daughters, and then it's the third who's the little boy, right? The young one. That's that's correct. My daughters are twelve and ten at the time of recording, and my young man is seven. Wow. Okay. So seven years ago, uh, actually, yeah. let's go back to the twelve years ago, Mark. Sure. You and your uh, you and your wife, I, I presume. I don't. Yes, doesn't sir. Really matter. Your, your partner. Yep. <laughs> yep. You guys are. Uh, you have nine and a half months, roughly, to prepare for this journey. I consider childbirth a spiritual transformation for both the man, for both the woman and the this little baby that's about to emerge into the earth school and the whole partnership transforms. There's a lot that mm -hmm. happens. So maybe you can go back if you can, if you can even tap into that because you've had to practice it now three times. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Uh, not just not just like vaguely what was it like? Like what did you actually think it was going to be like to be a dad? And how did you prepare based on those sort of predilections of what fatherhood actually meant? It's a really good question um, because, and I like it because it has uh, been something that has drastically changed a whole lot of trial by error, uh, a whole lot of seeing oh, <laughs> I, right. And, and seeing where I needed to grow up, uh, truth be told, my wife and I were ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, we were ecstatic. We had gone to, uh, we'd had probably the best relationship of any, any two people I had ever seen before getting married. I mean, we'd never even had, not that this is good or bad, but we never even really had a disagreement of, upon getting married. We'd been together for three years and just got along, you know, like nobody's business. And we'd been excited about having, a, you know, a kid and, and we were just, we were over the moon, man. So, you know, really her, her pregnancy was, was pretty solid. She was staying uh, healthy throughout. She was working out throughout, you know, and I was just coming along and, and thinking that I was the, the best partner in the process, right. And just encouraging her and working out with her and everything staying healthy, like everything was, was going to be great. Um, she went in like an absolute ninja and gave birth. And it was our first daughter had some complications and had some issues. And that was when it initially threw me into the understanding that all the preparation I thought I had done just being positive wasn't going to be enough because there was so much emotional and physical kind of chat. There were these challenges that were coming down the pike that really threw me back into my level of it's that old adage of you don't rise to the occasion, you fall back to the level of your training. Right. And I, I really dropped back to the level of the training, meaning I started defaulting to the ways I was parented. Right. And that was a big part of it. And then I started realizing how much we hadn't actually spoken through yeah. and prepared for what are we going to do? And we had to figure it out 
during some really trying things. So it was, yeah. it was, an, that was emotionally the, the hardest time in our marriage were those first couple of years for my first. What kind of things change? I, you know, I remember to speaking to what you just said, my wife had to ask me and I apprehensively had to respond out loud with the words, things are going to change. Like, I don't think she, I think she knew obviously, cause she had mm -hmm. just was a little bit more conscious of this whole experience. Like I didn't yeah. have any real experience. I'm an OBGYN. I've, I've attended so many births, but never really once did I acknowledge, ha, you know, have to acknowledge for myself, things are going to change. What sorts of things change for you and your wife in this perfect partnership? Yeah. So it, that's a great, it's a great question and a great segue. So we, our first daughter, when I say complications, you know, she's a, she's a happy, healthy, and she, at 12 years old, she is the happiest, healthiest, most articulate, most loving, like amazing. So there's no sad ending to this story. I mean, we are in a really, really good spot and I'm the, I'm the luckiest man that I know. She had some, some issues early on, uh, only a few hours in we're in, we had, we had given birth in a hospital. We're in the hospital and we're hanging out and I'm looking at her. My wife is sleeping was first time we had put her down and I'm looking at my daughter and nobody <laughs> else is in there and I'm staring at her and I'm like, okay, super cute. Also a little bit blue and getting more blue and mm. getting more blue. This doesn't look right. Right. So we call the, the nurses in, everybody comes in, takes a look. They rush and, and rush her out of there. She had all kinds of fluid that was in her lungs that they had to like, they press her belly and, you know, a bunch of fluid comes out and that kicked off this kind of cycle of really having a hard time where she was crying 24 hours a day. And I'm talking, she wouldn't sleep for wow. more than 24 hours at a time on multiple occasions. So we're not sleeping for that amount of time. I'm still working as well. So immediately you're thrown into the, well, now you're not sleeping and you both feel like garbage. If you both want to do the right thing, but you don't know what the right thing is because this baby won't stop crying. And so then it's the, I'm looking for ways like, okay, I've got to get my sleep because my job right is going to pay the bills. She's like, I've got to try to get some rest too, because I'm here trying to take care. And that was the first time yeah. where we yeah. just started going after it. it was like, no, I need my side. No, I need my side. <laughs> and we're both using the, sure. the baby as our reason for why we need this right. Versus coming together and really being able to game plan, which is hard to do. But both rational reasons, by the way, it's not like one is sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. But you, and when you're in that emotional state, yeah of panicking going, wait a second. I thought this would be a little bit easier. Um, and, and granted 24 hours for infants to not sleep is not normal. There was something going on there, uh, but it still put us in that emotional state, you know, where, yeah. where, so we just started, we started butting heads and we had never really butt heads before. So that put us really in this emotional thing where it was like, you know, the blame game played on for, for a little bit until we could figure out what was going on with her. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned the, the baby crying. A lot of people who don't uh, really honor this process of a baby developing, especially in those first few weeks or months or even years, that crying sound, is it drives people nutso on airplanes. It's a classic thing. My wife's, my mother-in-law, my wife's mother is a flight attendant and it's like one of the most common things that she has to deal with. And she's like, what do you want us to do? The baby's sure. crying. It's just what babies do. They don't know how to sure. express anything else, you know, themselves in other ways. So your, uh, your partner in, at Acton is Tim Kennedy and mm -hmm. a good friend of ours, Kyle Kingsbury, who's also been interviewed on the show. And yep. um, he's a part of this course as well as one of the greatest dads I've ever met. 
he uh, he and Tim were both UFC fighters. I don't know. Are you also a UFC fighter? Maybe I don't know that part. <laughs> I, I, I did fight not in the UFC. I was not at the level of those MMA guys. fighter, I mean, it was though. more recreational, but I had nine. Yeah, I did nine amateur race oh, martial arts fights. Okay. So all three of you, when you're going into that high stress environment, you have to develop, successful fighters have to develop this ability to regulate their nervous system. And I think a baby's mm. crying tests us as men and women. I mean, but since it's two of us guys talking here, how did you cope with the constant crying? Did you have a, a method that with the first that you maybe, or maybe you didn't, and then you you were developed one by the third? I'm, I'm really thoughtful about that. Yeah. It, and it, it did go first, second, third, right? There was a difference. <laughs> sure. And the difference for us anyways, was preparation. Mm. So going into, you know, going into the fights, you're talking about walking into to combat. And I grew up kickboxing, was involved in combat. I grew up playing other sports at, at relatively high levels. So you understand that you are going to engage in these activities. And so, you know, very early on, I got into the visualization and into the planning and into the preparation and into the practice and into all of those things. So that by the time it was game time, yeah, there's still some nerves. There's still some of the emotion a little bit, and there can be some high stress situations, especially when somebody else is trying to punch you in the face, but it's nothing you haven't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. It's not new. And so again, you fall back to the level of your training and you start to have these automatic responses and there almost became a sense of peace in the chaos. I remember my first mixed martial arts fight, which was just, which was different than kickboxing. And I remember it was being, it was a, we didn't, I wasn't in the UFC, but it was Ken Shamrock who was throwing the event. So we had Bruce Buffer was announced. Yeah, yeah. I had like all my <laughs> idols, you know, dude, Randy Couture was ringside, Boss <laughs> Rutten was ringside. Like I got all these rad dudes That's that a I lot of pressure. Up to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, man. But I was so at peace. And I remember even laying on my back, the guy had taken me down and he was punching me in the face. And I literally remember going inside going like, dude, this is just so cool right now. There are thousands of people around me. I'm involved in, I got all my idols written. Like, this is so cool. I'm literally, and it was so quiet, Nathan, Mm. so quiet. Cause I was that prepared. Wow. Wow. It was never quiet. When you have, when you're unprepared for the amount of discomfort that this little girl was feeling, the crying itself can test you the crying when it's going 24 hours and you haven't slept test you the crying when I'm also working full time, then going to school full time and then coming back, staying up the entire night to go do it again. So much so that I'm hallucinating while I'm driving, I almost got into a wreck so that I didn't hit the giant cartoon baby in the middle of the road. (laughs) like i was losing my mind wait there wasn't actually a cartoon baby are you using (laughs) you know what there wasn't a cartoon baby right yeah so you know there there was no uh we had not prepared properly so as we moved and once we got her at least past the discomfort to where it was then a a quote-unquote normal amount of crying the the blessing there was like it seemed like it was nothing then yeah right it seemed like nothing at that so it was like she came at us trial by fire really put our feet to the fire. But at that point, then it seemed like nothing. And then as we went into the second and third, we're like, okay, look, if this happens, even if it's to the same degree, 
Now we're going to be prepared. Here's how we want to tackle it. Here's how we're going to work on taking shifts. Here's the language. Here's what we know triggers the other person to get upset. So here's the language we're going to be very intentional about using, even if we're tired, right? We were able to be more proactive at that point. So babies two and three were infinitely easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. My wife and I always talk about this. We have two kids. The one was born right before COVID happened. Mm. And then the second one was sort of smack dab in the middle end of 2021. So Mm -hmm. she was like, man, we never really thought about having kids this close together, but it seems like the second is so much easier. And I I do think it's actually the preparation and the anticipation of those things actually goes a long way. So one of my friends, dear friends and mentors, Paul Check, he always talks about Mm-hmm. the the sort of lost boy category. And I think there's going to be a lot of men listening that may f- may resonate with this sort of, th- this notion that you may have finances dialed in. You might be making way more money than me and you combined. You might have be shredded. You may, you may have it all dialed in from lifestyle and everything else. But you haven't yet had to do this whole baby thing. And a lot mm-hmm. of them, I have a lot of high profile clients that I, I won't use their names but it'll just be their partner that jumps on the call because, you know, he was too busy, you know, during mm-hmm. a pregnancy visit or, uh, hey, we're getting ready. We're getting close to birth. How's uh, so-and-so doing? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure. Have you guys talked about it? Well, you know, we're, you know, we're starting to explore things, but that just means to me, like you guys haven't really done any work. Nope. So the preparation before you have nine and, a mo- nine and a half months to start anticipating these changes that are going to happen, dialing in your health if you haven't already. And remembering that, yes, with sleep deprivation, you'll you'll appreciate this. When I was in residency training, I was getting like four hours of sleep, ended up in adrenal fatigue. And I was like, is this really safe? But I could still get up in, 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 in a flash and do one of the most tricky abdominal surgeries, a C-section. And I could mm-hmm. do it safely without missing a beat. Like I'm on autopilot. Well, they, they mm-hmm. did sleep, sleep deprivation studies with uh, special forces units. And they wanted to see how accurate their shooting was, how quick their reflexes were, and their accuracy and precision with their shooting and their tactical stuff was spot on. What was the one thing that I'm not going to ask you because it's a bit of a fishing question, but rhetorically, what was the one thing that they didn't do well when they were sleep deprived? It was determining friend or distinguishing friend from foe. Mm -hmm. So you walk into that house, this baby's screaming. Who's yep. the who's the person that you're going to like just in, eject your emotions at and it's going to be your partner the person you know is going to love you it's going right. to be your parents your siblings your friends maybe even this baby this self, this right. helpless little baby so the preparation for this is not only on a lifestyle standpoint because you are going to be sleep deprived to some mm-hmm. to some degree hopefully not 24 hours a day of screaming but that nervous system reset, this is where the breath work, this is where the meditative practices, the mm-hmm. qigong, tai chi working in, I think can be very helpful. Let's fast forward to baby three. Now Gosh, you've done this yeah. twice. Any Anything different there in the, uh, actually maybe even the childbirth process? Yes, and I want to get to that. I, I want to touch on what you Go, said with the special <laughs> forces thing too, please, because I, I love that, man, and it's so good. And obviously, Tim, I've gotten to go a little bit further into this deep dive into this whole special forces process because he is uh, he's a you know, SEAL, he's part of, is that right? Uh, so Tim was a ranger in Green Beret, but oh, then shoot. also a part of he's a part of uh, elite units that people don't even. It's one of those like people don't even know this elite. It's like not even exists. Delta. It's like some other. Uh, it's like, yeah, Delta is allowed to try out for it. Just like 
rangers are just like seals are and that's even got a higher attrition rate too right wow. so he's yeah. you know i mean you're talking about the best of the best of the best and you know one of the interesting things and he pointed me back to a, a talk by simon Sinek at one point and simon was talking to somebody about seal training specifically and, and how these guys get through you know uh, during all the sleep deprivation and how much they're being beaten down and um you know simon had asked well what does it look like for the, the people that make it through like what are the common characteristics and the person that he was interviewing said well i can't tell you exactly who it is that makes it through i can tell you who doesn't uh, it's the people who didn't have to prepare because they were the star athlete and so everything always just came easy to them they didn't make it through oh, uh, and it was the people who who always uh, had the right answers and would delegate but they never actually had to do the work well they didn't make it through either the the guys that were the super big buff tough dudes that wanted to tell everybody how alpha they were and they were super jacked and they had the tech they they didn't make it through either the people that made it through were those when they were emotionally and physically drained they had already determined they were not going to let the other guys down they would not let the other people quit it was their commitment to serving the other people and making sure they got through it that made it to where wow. they could get through wow. it wow wow right? and that is the segue to what changed with two and oh, three i love that yeah. yeah yeah so right yeah so it's was the hospital part different um yes and no and i'll, I'll talk about that here but but our commitment to each other where we went okay we know what can happen. We know how emotionally, physically drained. Let's get a game plan together. What can we do? How do we set ourselves up for the best possible scenario? But then how do we right. remind ourselves that we are serving right. the other person, right? And so my focus for baby three was how do I get her, not my son, how do I get my wife everything she needs right now so that she feels like this is the easiest thing she's ever done. Yeah. Her focus was how do I get Matt everything he needs so that he feels like this is the easiest thing he's ever done. And it was because we focused on the other person that the entire experience was so much easier. You know, and I really think we transferred that energy to the baby too. I mean, it was just an mm. easier thing all around. That's an allegory for life, by the way. Like people out really there who is. show up in service to others. I, yes. I, I see myself like that. Yep. I'm not a big guy. But I, I have the ability to serve beyond my wildest dreams when the opportunity arises. And it's always a matter of, I might even be staying at like, let's say Kyle Kingsbury's house. I'll, I'll just do the dishes. Like, how can I make yeah. their life easier? Yes. It's a part of being yes. a good house guest, let alone a husband, a father, a brother, a son. Show up in service and it's going to make your life better. Not, and you don't have to do it selfishly, but it will make your life better because now you can take on more. Because that other person, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can't help it. I yeah. mean, you're literally, you're trying, you're working actively to make other people's lives better and you can't help the fact that it makes yours better in yeah. the process, you know? <laughs> and and instead, of, instead of just being mad about it, we might as well just embrace it and go, cool, how many other people can I serve that? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, why, like, that is it. Like, hold yeah. on, the, the, the unlock is the more people I help, the better I feel. Yeah, what the hell is that all about? Yeah. <laughs> Freaking sign me up. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, the, on the, on the third, uh, as far as the birth, you know, side of things, we went in there having a pretty decent idea because the first two had been very, very similar where my wife's water broke. And then exactly nine hours later, 
we had a baby and she didn't have, uh, she was, we were very, she didn't have any C-sections um, and she didn't have to, right uh, she never used any kind of medication like at all. She was just like, Hey, I'm going to go in and like, just, Hey, everybody just catch. Right. And, and let's rock and roll. Yeah. So she was very determined from, from day one to have that uh, be the case. And we were very lucky that that was the case. So, so we kind of figured, okay, water broke. So I'm guessing in nine hours, we're going to have our son. <laughs> Right. And so that was kind of it. So we, we timed it as far as when we went in. And, and at this point, I don't even know if we would go necessarily, if we were to have a fourth, we're not, um, if we would even go to the hospital, to be honest, but you just call me, man, I'll, I'll be there. I'll help you out. I know, man. That's <laughs> it. Can, you, can you get, all I know is I can, I can give you a nine hour window to get here. <laughs> you got it. I can drive pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. And so then, um, at the end of the nine hours, you know, we had, we had him, but she was so just already ready, emotionally, spiritually, just ready to rock and roll that we had him. And in like another eight or nine hours, we were gone. We left the hospital. We were out. We didn't stay a full day. We didn't stay a day and a half. We didn't stay. We were out of there, yeah. Um, yeah. out of there, rocking and rolling. Good Time to go you. home and, and yeah. everybody's feeling good. You know, she was ready to roll. She was comfortable with, with what recovery looked like and for herself. And again, we were just so committed to pouring into each other that mentally she's like, yeah, let's just go do it. And, um, yeah. so by far the easiest out of the third, not to mention saving yourself probably five grand for another day of, in, the, in the hospital that, uh, uh insurance will pay until you, you know, meet, you know, after you meet your deductible. So, <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly that's right. right. So yeah, wow. it was great. So gosh, man, maybe we'll have to do like a longer form interview, but, uh, I want you, I want to have time to talk about Acton and what you're doing yeah. with Apogee. But before I do that, you know, baby has arrived for the, the new father that's listening out there. Maybe we start at, you know, day one of life, but you could reflect probably the same principles or values as mm. they even get older because you're going to start instilling your 11 rules. It's 11 rules, right? Yeah. Yeah. 11 rules into them from day one. I That's don't right. want to, I don't think we have time to go through all 11 rules, but what is the role of a father? You are the primary educator for that young person, period. I'm talking emotionally, spiritually, financially, any, any, any way that you can describe this, you are the, the leader, the primary educator for that young person, period, end of story. And you will be for as long as they are under your roof and people, you know, we confuse education with school. So people go, well, what do you mean? They're going to go to school and they're going to be, no, no. You are showing them your young care, your heroes will do what you do before they do what you say always. So you are showing them what a good person acts like, how they talk, how they show up, how they recover, how they uh, handle hard things, how they treat other people, whether they know them or strangers, like what is your relationship with money? What is your relationship with exercise? What is your relationship with food? What is your relationship? You are showing them every, every single freaking thing. Yeah. So you've got to be dialed. <laughs> I, I remember I was flipping through one of Michael I or, uh, David Icke's books and the first page, it was a quote from Einstein. I'll never forget it because I read it. And I, it was like, I was thinking about this stuff. And I think the quote, who knows if Einstein actually said this, you know, who knows where these quotes yeah. come from, but he said, and it, but it's still relevant. He said, education is what's left after you've forgotten everything you learned in school. That's right. That's, right. That's exactly right. So true. So true for me. Absolutely. It's exactly right. All school does. And I'm sure we can get into that too, but all school does is it puts, it puts a bunch of extra things on top of you that a lot of times covers up your ability to get educated. I right? totally so, agree. Yeah. Um, so everything you are doing from day one around that new baby that you bring home, you've got to realize you are scaffolding 
who that person is going to become. You have to take it that seriously. So how you're treating other people needs to be elevated to the highest possible level, how you're taking care of your own physical fitness, your own mental fitness, how you're taking care of your wife, how you're talking to strangers, how you're talking about strangers, how you're talking about finances, all of that. You've got to dial it in the best you can. There's no such thing as perfection, but you should be striving for it. Wow. Well, why don't you, <laughs> this is a perfect segue into exactly mm. what you do. I'm, I'm, I suspect, and you can correct me, I suspect that Actin and Apogee, these programs that you've developed around the country, I suspect that they're a product of what you wish you would have had access to as a child. Is that, is that fair? Very fair. Okay. Very fair. It's what I wish I had access to. It's what I think every young person deserves to have access to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, really, I, I very much buy into the, uh, the, the Frederick Douglass quote of it being far easier to raise strong young people than it is to fix broken older people. Oh my gosh. So true. Yeah. Very much uh, agree with that because, you know, by the time you're an adult and you quote unquote know everything and you know what you know, that change is much more difficult at that part. Well, you've got this beautiful genius blank slate that comes out uh, and you get the chance to just unlock and education should be two different things. It's one pulling out the natural inherent genius that that young person is born with. They are born. Nathan was born with something that Matt will never, ever have, right? Because there is something special about you, your unique DNA, your situation, your, all of these things. It's like, great, let's pull out what that natural genius is for you, that natural passion, the natural, the natural excitement. And then also let's scaffold in anything else that you want to add to that so that you can continue to grow all of those things. Right. Like that's what education is supposed to be for. And if we can do that for young people and unlock those things, we have amazing, amazing adults that we get out of that. Amazing. I was going to make a joke there. Well, I'm still going to make it, but I didn't want to diminish what you said. <laughs> you forgot to mention my perfectly chiseled jawline and bone structure, but I'll, I'll let it slide. I figured that was just obvious. <laughs> it should be obvious, everybody. We're it doing a video podcast obvious. here. <laughs> I mean, like no doubt. Yeah. So Matt, tell everybody where they can find more about your programs and uh, how else they may be able to connect with you because you're an awesome dude. I hope that we become friends. I appreciate you, man. So if anybody wants to find out about the Acton Academy schools, they should go to Acton Academy, A-C-T-O-N, actonacademy.org. And you'll be able to find, you can do a school finder and you can see, and I think there's there's 42, 43 states, 26 countries, uh, 27 countries, something like that. So uh, we got almost 300 locations. No kidding. And then as far as on the Apogee side, if Apogee Strong Programs, A-P-O-G-E-E strongprograms.com is going to be the best place to go because we're starting to put everything under there, whether it's the foundation, whether it's the young man's program, the young ladies program that we're about to launch, the the men's program, uh, and the home education program. All of that is under apogeestrongprograms.com. And people can just follow me at my name, Matt Baudreau. I don't know how to say it if that's like we said. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll write it out. It's got a lot of vowels there. (laughs) lot of vowels. Yeah. So you can, you can always follow me there, reach out to me um, through that. I try to get back to everybody and help where I can. Yeah. Thank you. And Apogee, for those who, you know, if the, the word sounds familiar and Apogee, I just wanted to type in the definition, the highest point in the development of something in this case of sure. a child's development, but in astronomy, sure. this is where I know the word Apogee. It's the point in the orbit of the moon or a satellite around the earth at which it is furthest from. So you're actually preparing young men and soon to be young women to be able to function entirely on their own without you. This is a big part of the born free method and my whole messaging, being able to 
reclaim your power, meaning you have to decondition yourself from outsourcing your power. And you have to be willing, especially if you're a soon-to-be parent, to ultimately own every decision and the outcomes of those decisions. So mm. we've now got the continuation of my work in pregnancy. We'll just usher those, mm. those young people into your program and we'll have a better world. So thank you. Thank you, Matt, for sharing. <laughs> so good, man. And thank you for what you're doing too. Honored to be on the same team, truly. Absolutely. We'll see you in North Carolina someday, okay? Yeah, please. Thank you for tuning into this episode. You'll find conversations like this in my Born Free Method course. I found as a young father that I did not have a lot of great resources or role models and in order to guide me into parenthood, into fatherhood. I have sought out some of the masters who are still practicing and trying to become better And my guest today is just another one of these incredible stellar men out there. You can find all of his information in the podcast description. But if you want to, or if you haven't yet found the Born Free Method, you might be listening to this and you're already in the course. I hope you're enjoying the journey. But if you um, want to find more information about the Born Free Method, go to bornfreemethod.com for the price of admission. You're not going to get just coping exercises for surges in childbirth, right? That's what most childbirth education um, courses cover. How to advocate, how to write a birth plan, how to cope with, you know, how to use a rebozo, how to cope with the, the, the painful surges. That's about 120th of what you're going to find in the Born Free Method. You're also going to get the history of obstetrics and, and midwifery. You're going to get some exercises to work on radical responsibility and owning your decisions and the outcomes of those decisions. Every aspect of lifestyle and functional medicine that I bring into my practice, you're going to get the detailed rundown of how to start implementing these things in your life now, whether you're hoping to get pregnant, you already are pregnant, or you have an the postpartum experience. You're going to get insights into what it, the role is for a father in childbirth, what a father is at all, which you got a little insights, uh, a little insight here from this interview. And you're going to get all of the other stuff, all of the typical stuff you'd expect to find in a pregnancy and postpartum preparation course. But we're going to go deeper because I'm a medical scientist. I have read the literature through and through. I've gone straight to the authors and asked them for clarification. You're going to get risks, benefits, and alternatives for every intervention that you could possibly imagine in childbirth, including Rogam, vitamin K, GBS screening and antibiotics, induction of labor, ultrasound, the perils of ultrasound, which nobody really talks about. C-section, breach birth. I mean, it's literally prior history of prior C-section and trial labor after C-section, hoping for a VBAC. You're going to get so much. I, my, my co-pilot, Sarah and I, Sarah's a, uh, Sarah Roster is a CPM. She's a farm midwife down at INMA's Legacy down in Summertown, Tennessee. We have put everything that we've ever been asked, almost everything, it's hard to say everything, but almost everything into one course. And in addition to access to the course and a vault of other resources, discounts on a variety of products, so many collaborations with other practitioners that made this course possible, you're going to get 12 months from the time you purchase, 12 months of weekly mastermind calls with either me or Sarah. So go to bornfreemethod.com, take advantage of (laughs) this little olive branch to become part of the true revolution that we're hoping and that we've already manifested in our heart 
but we're hoping to see happen in this 3D world for the betterment of society through the improvement of maternity care. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Nathan Riley. If you want to find out more about me specifically, go to belovedholistics.com. I still take private uh, private clients. I still attend home births. I still provide comprehensive pregnancy and postpartum support, but having this course available is going to let me do more of that one-on-one with clients <laughs> because I can shift them over to the course and they're going to have most of their, their, their questions answered. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Holistic Obituary Podcast. Take care.